I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome back to yet another edition of the Holtzcast. Cole Petum here as always. Uh, Danny Raza might be joining us at some point, so I'll throw that in there now. Um, in case if you see a little break at some point in the pod. But of course, we have a first-timer on the Holtcast, a special guest. We have Max Stokes from Villa on Tour fame. So without further ado, Max, how you doing? Oh, I'm buzzing, mate. After watching that Albion game, I'm absolutely fantastic, mate. And uh, big thanks for having me on as well. Pleasure to be on and speak to you, mate. Looking forward to the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. It's great to have you on. It's been in, in the works here and there. We've talked in the past, and I just keep forgetting to... Uh, message you so that's that's my error but nonetheless you're on here and that's all that matters now but let's get to it now of course it's West Brom nil Aston Villa three two goals from Onwar Algazi one from Bertie Traore this time I didn't say Adama thank god um yeah it's as simple as that I mean I mean another game you would have to say pretty much Villa dominant so Max let's start from the get-go I mean what were your thoughts on the first half yeah I mean pretty pretty simple wasn't it I think the main thing in this game was the early goal because there was a lot of talk leading up to the game. Oh, okay, Sam Allardyce's first game. Are they going to have a bounce on social media? Everyone was like, oh, I'm really worried for this game. It's obviously going to be 1-0 West Brom and stuff like that. But I think the early goal five minutes in from El Ghazi was exactly what we needed because it set the tone for the game. It meant that West Brom had to come out and do something. Um, and yeah, the goal was really good. Bertrand Chauray got the assist, cracking ball in, and it's a really good finish, I think. I think it's a quite underrated finish because, you know, Johnston spread himself and he's just tucked it under him perfectly. So Al Ghazi at the Hawthorns, he's always going to score. It's his playground, so fair play to him. But yeah, first half, absolutely comfortable. Um, it wasn't too many efforts. I think second half, we, we ramped up a little bit. But in the first half, comfortable. I haven't seen the possession like for the first half alone, but it must have been something incredible because we just controlled it, didn't we? I, I don't think Martinez had to do pretty much anything apart from handball the box handball outside the box but no it was it was really comfortable wasn't it yeah I mean I have no complaints I I mean I think you get that in any match I mean it's typical Villa to be a little nervy for the first few minutes but I mean a goal in the first five minutes to ease any of those concerns is wonderful and like you said I I mean we'll get on to Troy over here in a little bit but of course a left-footed cross into the box and very slacking and poor defending by West Brom but a very underrated finish as you said by Onwar Al-Ghazi I think it was on the outside of his right boot I mean I thought it went off his shin or the side of his leg or it doesn't really matter how it goes in it goes in nonetheless so you're kind of in dreamland at that point and, and from there it's a little bit more physicality you're seeing Grealish fouled I think like a million times in the first 20 or so minutes as per usual and of course you, you see commentators popping a shot at him here and there because of it which is it is what it is at this point I've kind of come to the 
the circumstance in my mind and the thoughts in my mind thinking, you know what, if he's on any other team, they're doing that and it's their fan base, they're not going to complain. So at this point, we have to take it for what it is. And of course, the next thing we'll get to actually is probably the biggest talking point in the half. And I guess some people are saying it's a little bit unfortunate, took a lot of spice out of the game. But in my mind, I think we were just dominating regardless. But of course, it's the Jake Livermore challenge on Jack Grealish. I mean, it's one of those weird ones, Max, when you look at it, I think a lot of people look at it in slow speed and think, well, that looks terrible, but it looked a lot worse in regular speed. So what were your thoughts on that challenge in particular? And do you think it was a justified red? Uh, yeah, I think, I think you deserve to go. I think, you know, if it was the other way around, there might be a little bit of bias. If it was a Villa player that put in that challenge, there might be a little bit, but I don't think you can have too many complaints in that. I think when it first happened, I think he might've blown for a foul before that or something, but I didn't really notice it. And then when the, when the commentators were talking about it and I picked up on it and saw the replays, I was thinking he, he must be in trouble here because I think the thing, the thing is he leaves the ground both feet are off the floor. He's gone in with sort of a kick in motion. He's not in control of the challenge. Um, so I think you can't really complain with the red card. And I think, you know, West Brom fans might say, okay, he didn't actually connect with Grealish or Grealish's leg or Grealish's shin or whatever, but it's it's the intent and he's left the ground and it's a dangerous challenge. He's put Grealish in danger a little bit, although he didn't touch him. I get that, but it's, it's the way he went in and you could tell he went in with a bit of intent to, to maybe hurt Grealish. Only he will know if he meant that, but I think it's a justified red card. I think you can't really complain. Just leaving the floor, you're only going to put uh, that that seed in the, in the referee's head to think he's going to be in trouble. And he went over to the screen and whenever he goes over to the screen, it's not looking good for, for the player. So you can't really complain. I'm sure we'll talk about the house challenge at some point, but yeah, the Liverpool one for me was was hands down a red card. Well, absolutely. We'll, we'll group them into kind of a, a combination here because it comes like literally, I think, a couple minutes later. But just my quick thoughts on that. I mean, it's a pointless challenge. I mean, he's so close to being out of play that like, what's really the point in that? You're not in a dangerous zone. It's just kind of a loss of the mind moment from Livermore there. And it's not really needed. And you can see it's pent up frustration at things clearly not going West Brom's way and kind of indicative of their season so far. But nonetheless, we'll get on to the Haas challenge. I mean, this is one where I'll let you speak first, Matt, uh, Max, on your thoughts. Um, but it's another one. It's very risky. A, a lot of debate there. And having to listen, listen to uh, Paul Ince on my end, give his thoughts on it was extremely painful. But nonetheless, what were your thoughts on it? Oh, do you know what? I think it's one of them where it's 50-50. If it goes against you, you'd probably complain. But uh, I don't know, because he does go studs up, doesn't he? And yeah. the, studs, the studs do kind of connect with the sort of lower leg, lower shin, top of the ankle sort of area. So there's a lot of stills flowing around of, you know, photos of where his foot goes. But I think that's always going to make it look a little bit worse. Um, but if if he does go for that, I, I don't think you complain. You can complain too much. Because um, his studs are showing, but then again, it's it's nowhere near as bad as the Livermore challenge, in my opinion. But I don't think you can compare the two. I think if he goes, you, you can't really complain too much. But for me, yeah, okay, might be being a little bit biased, but I think the yellow card is fair enough. Um, he didn't, the referee didn't get recommended to go over to the screen, did he, or anything like that. Um, so a little bit, a little bit fortunate, but yeah, fair play. You, you can't complain, and it's, it's worked in our favour in the end. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you probably look at it a few times in a replay a lot of people are kind of saying it should have been a red and you know what then again that's the benefit of hide and sight and I, I don't know there's VAR questions galore this 
year and it has been since it's really inception and since it's come in. So nonetheless, it's another thing that goes our way. Thankfully. I mean, I don't know how many times we have VAR go our way and we'll get to that later because we know what's coming with great old VAR, but yeah, like I was going to say before, I, I mean, there's no intent in it. Is it dangerous? Does he need to go in like that? I mean, the game is happening so quick. So many things can happen. And there's a complete different contrast versus the intent of Livermore, which is just ridiculous and stupid versus a defender coming in to make a challenge. It's unfortunate where it got him. Thank God it didn't injure anybody and ruin someone's career potentially or anything like that. So it's great to see that not happen. You never really want to see that happen, regardless of the, the player and the team, from my perspective, at least. But yeah, after that, really a clean half of, clean sheet going into the half and kind of going into the second half max what what was your thoughts I mean of course we're a man up so it's kind of tricky when I look at Villa with a man up I'm almost more nervous because I think we're one of those sides traditionally last season where too much time on the ball we have too much time to think and we just can't get that end product so kind of going into the second half where was your mind at yeah I agree with you mate I think when they went down to 10 men obviously it looked good but there's always that bit if you're thinking is that actually going to help us? Because like you said, last year, there were so many occasions where other teams went down to 10 men and we had a lot of the ball and we just make it look so, so difficult. We have the ball around the edge of the box and we struggle to, okay, we might create things, but just take our chances when the other team has 10 men. It's it's so frustrating. But I think this time around, this season, especially, I don't, I can't remember if we've been uh, faced any teams this season that have gone down to 10. We might have done, but I just think I had much more confidence this year. And I just think going into the second half, that second goal was just exactly what we needed because as poor as West Brom looked, I just think you get that second goal and the game's finished. Um, But, you know, we took our time with it going into the second half. We took our time. But I think the possession stats, we were talking before we came on, the possession was like, in the end, 67, 70% with Aston Villa. And I don't think West Brom were causing too many problems for Martinez or our defence. I just think it was a matter of time. It sort of looked like a training ground match, you know, Villa having all of the ball in the West West Brom box, not the box, sorry, the half. Um, and it was just fairly comfortable for us, just all of the possession, passing it around, fairly, fairly comfortable. And even when West Brom did get the ball, it was within five seconds. Villa had it again. They just, they just really, really struggled to keep the ball. And I'm sure they'll work that out. Sam Allardyce will have so much more time with them and they'll sort that out. Um, but yeah, I just think going into the second half, that, that second goal just would have killed it. Uh, we took our time with it, but yeah, it, it was comfortable in the end. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I th- after basically the red card, it was more like a 4-4-1 from them. A lot of deep balls, hopeful deep balls and long balls that you're kind of just thinking maybe we'll get on the end of it. And to be fair to them, they got on a few, but the support really as soon as Grant got up the pitch was non-existent. And it's really asking a lot of a forward with not a lot of Premier League experience, not a lot of support to really do a lot. And with his, especially with the amount of goals he hasn't scored this season, Probably doesn't do too much on the confidence side from him. Uh, But nonetheless, we'll hit pause here for a second because Danny Raza will join us. So we'll be back with you in a minute. And we're back. And of course, Danny Raza joins us now for the rest of the podcast. So Danny, I'll throw it over to you first. How you doing? And what's your thoughts on the match? Yeah, I'm doing well, mate. I've missed the good stuff. Missed all the juicy VAR stuff. But uh, I'm I'm doing well, mate. It's 3-0. 3-0 victory. About time, man. I think after 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 what happened in the Burnley game, I really needed some something. <laughs> well, I'm glad because we had, of course, we talk on WhatsApp throughout the game, and we we vent our thrust frustrations when things don't 
exactly go to plan, especially with substitutions. And I love talking about that with you. But the <laughs> thing we'll, we'll go to first, of course, is the VAR call against Ollie Watkins. Of course, he scores a goal. It's ruled off. And I mean, in a joking kind of way with a little bit of humor at it with some added spice on it. What, why does VAR hate Ollie Watkins? <laughs> Uh, Watkins is a—he's—he's—he's he's very good at playing off the back of the defenders. He likes to get in behind, and when you're that kind of striker, a lot of the time, um, and you're and you're essentially hogging the offside line, it's always going to be a bit difficult for you. I think there's this thing going around right now that uh, Ollie Watkins is getting a bit unlucky. He's not scoring goals. He's not putting anything in. I think he's more than more than all of that. I'm not worried at all about that. But uh, yeah, I think I think it's just a bit of an issue for him at the moment. Just so happens, it's not going in for him. Um, but that doesn't mean he's not getting in the right positions. Uh, I thought that, yeah, he was unlucky to get the offside there because, again, in a world where VAR doesn't exist, he'd have two extra goals this season. Yeah, see, it's a really weird one because, of course, we know the result of the West Ham match and how that got ruled out, and it was deemed his arm, which isn't even something you can physically use without getting called a handball. And then it, I found it really weird because it was, I can't remember which West Brom defender it was, but like his arm was straight out and it kept him way on side. And I'm thinking, of course, mm-hmm. like, I, I just don't know where they're going with it. Like this season, you call one, you don't call the other. And like, fair enough, but it's the right decision though, man. It's a right this decision, was... but it's just annoying how inconsistent it is. And I'll throw it over to Max next. What were your, was your thoughts on it? Of course, I'm assuming you thought it was, I guess, justifiably offside as well. Yeah, it's just frustrating because the goal goes in and it's a similar sort of goal to the one he scored at West Ham because it's, you know, it's a ball whipped in from the edge and he's on the he's on the, the shoulder of the last defender. He just pokes it in. He's in the right place at the right time. And I didn't celebrate when it went in because the West Ham thing was still in the back of my mind. And I was thinking, you know what's going to happen here? It's going to get called off. Um, and it did in the end and they show the replay and it's exactly the same as the West Ham one, isn't it? It's his arm, which is, is so, so frustrating. Um, but again, I don't think it's, it's, I was just so annoyed because Ollie Watkins, he needs that goal, doesn't he? He needs it. Um, and I don't think he's doing anything wrong in the games that we're playing. You know, he finds himself out on the wing a lot of time, a lot of times. And, you know, he's, he's doing the right things. His movement's really good. I just think he's a little bit isolated at times, but he just needs a goal, doesn't he? And he's, he's so, so unlucky. But I don't think he's doing anything wrong. Um, at the end of the day, it's 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 offside. But there's, there was a one earlier as well with, with James Madison for Leicester, wasn't there, that was so, so similar. It's just... Mm-hmm. This offside thing it is so, so frustrating, especially if you're, when we're back in grounds, it's going to be horrific. But when you're watching on TV, you can't celebrate. You know what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, the lines are frustrating. There seems to be different rules every single week for handballs, offsides, whatever you like. So it's frustrating to watch. But thank God we got the win this week um, rather than the West Ham one where we were all fuming after the game. But 3-0, doesn't matter. End of the day, we got the win. That's all that matters. Oh, 100%. And Danny, I'll throw it right back over to you. I mean, where do you think this kind of puts Ollie in a, a certain kind of mindset? Like, do you think this goes for him in a way of like, you know what, the goals are coming. It's just a, like a matter of being slightly offside. Or do you think it's a little bit more demoralizing for him? Yeah, I mean, I think in a general fan sense, you look at a striker and you go, a striker's got to be banging him in. He's got to be scoring goals. I'd say that's fair enough, but so he's missed one penalty. Yeah. But that happens. You know, if he scores the penalty, does that make him any more of a deadly striker? Do you know what I mean? Um, he's had the two offside decisions go against him. How have Villa suffered as a result of Watkins not banging in? Well, you look at him, you look at the games. 
Burnley, you think, okay, maybe, you know, he had one better opportunity that he, he could have put away, but there wasn't an awful lot of chances created for him. You know, there was a lot of shots taken by, by, by various players. You know, you look back at the other games, Wolves, Villa eventually win again. I think the way that Villa plays, we're playing with four attackers at the moment. You've got Grealish, you've got El Ghazi, you've got Bertrand Traore, and then you've got Watkins. Watkins does a lot of good things in terms of drawing defenders away. Like the Bertrand Traore goal. Watkins, the way that he gets gets himself away from the defender, he drags out O'Shea, and that's that's how Bertrand Traore scores. I think another thing is the way that Villa plays when they're choking a team and everybody's back in the box. Watkins where the numbers is, right? Watkins is where the numbers are, where all the defenders are. They're, they're, they're marking him off. All the while, you've got Grealish and El Ghazi and whoever else is out on the wing. They're the ones who are pushing in. And so invariably, they get the, they get the space and they get the opportunities. Um, I just think that we've got to move away from this idea that, that the guy who's playing in that position is going to bang them all in because that's just not the way that Villa play. Um, they're not a one-man team. Uh, the goals will come for Watkins. You know, when when the ball gets into decent positions, when when we whip the ball in, we, we've seen it. He's got the instinct. The, the ball's been in the back of the net. Um, but, uh, you know, as a result of him being in a good position today, it's just a bit unlucky for him. But uh, I'm, I'm not I'm not worried about any sort of goal drought. No, I, I don't think there's really any need to. I mean, you can, it's clear to see that the goals are there. It's just been a matter of luck in the last couple of times. Well, actually, you probably say three times. Has been a little unlucky. It's going to come. Like I, I have every confidence in the world that he's going to bang more in this season. And it, to be honest, it's nice to see goals by committee. It's it's nice to yeah. see that everyone can contribute rather than, well, I mean, Christ, last year was literally Jack Grealish FC, and we can all agree with that. So it, it's just great to see that it's all being shared. And I think the one kind of benefit from this match, from my perspective at least, was a lot of people were giving criticism to Onral Ghazi and Bertrand Traore after the Burnley result, thinking, okay, we've had so many chances and we can't score, and these two were so wasteful. They come back and they both score. And I mean, what better way to silence haters, criticism, whatever it may be? So, Max, I'll throw it to you. Of course, we'll, we'll get on to the Traore goal now, because, I mean, that was one naughty finish. I, <laughs> I mean, by every word of that, that was absolutely beautiful. So what were your thoughts on the goal? And really, how are you feeling after that? Yeah, I mean, it starts from Jack Grealish on the halfway line, doesn't it? He bursts past uh, a couple of players. He slots it to Traore. And he's, he's approaching the edge of the box. And you're thinking, I think it's a really good point, what Danny said earlier as well, about Watkins sort of taking the defenders away. Um, and it creates that little bit of space for Traore. And, you know, I'm sort of thinking late to, late to Watkins, late to Watkins, you know, because he's got a good chance here. But he sort of opens up his body. And when he initially takes the shot, I'm thinking, oh, what, what's that? It's a horrific P-roller, you know, like the ones that El Ghazi was doing against Burnley that were going down the middle of the goal and Pope was just picking up. I was thinking it was another one of them. And then, you know, it sort of just goes into the corner and Johnston doesn't move. And it's a bit of a strange one, but end of the day, you've got to give him massive credit because it's a great finish right into the corner. Um, and there you go. That's game set and match. I think it was 84th minute, wasn't it? 2-0. And that, that kills off the game completely. I think, you know, the longer that goes towards the 90th and it's 1-0, you're sort of worrying because West Brom might nick that 1-1 that they wouldn't deserve. But 2-0 finishes the game. Great to see Bertrand Chiroi get his... Uh, it's his first, first goal in the Premier League, isn't it? Because he scored that one at Bristol City, but obviously that was in the Cup. So great to see him get that goal in the Premier League. And he was fantastic tonight. I, got, I think you've got to give him massive credit. Troy Orway was great. He got, he got a little bit of stick in the Burnley game. You know, people saying, OK, he's very, very one-footed, which I agree with. And he didn't have too much to do in the Burnley game. I think he was OK. But tonight, so much better. He was really effective coming off that right-hand side. And I think he had a, a really, really good night. 
Yeah, absolutely. Dan, I'll, Danny, I'll throw it to you. What were your thoughts on Traore's performance overall? Because, I mean, you know what? Like everyone by this point, and we were told even before the club bottom, was that he's extremely one-footed. And it's evident to see. And, of course, he does like to take his time on the ball and share it around. And he seems to be more of a setup man than anything. But his like his diagonal runs into the box and the fact that I think there was even a, a passage of play earlier where he ran past two West Brom defenders. And I think it was Ajayi that had a last-ditch block yeah. i mean it could have been another goal so what were your thoughts i mean firstly can i just say yeah i don't get the two i don't get the one-footed thing i really don't get it i'm not this isn't this isn't an attack on 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 you max this isn't an <laughs> attack on, on you cole right in general i've been seeing this as well i don't get it one-footed because like because what i see is what i see is a player who's able to control the ball and put it on his preferred foot that's fine yeah rather that than him you know turning around, putting in an aimless cross on his on his weaker foot. You know, there's no need. You know, when's the last time you saw um, Jack Grealish or even Trezeguet whipping a decent cross on their left foot? It doesn't happen. Yeah, it's it's, it's hard. I felt for me, Traore, he's been improving every game. He's every every game. He's been he's been looking a little bit better. He's been looking a little bit better. I had one thing with Traore, which I felt that he needed to get, which I felt he needed to improve upon. And that was, you see, the way that Villa play and the way they link up the chemistry, right? The way that the way that Villa score goals is because McGinn almost has a has a sense for what Dougie's doing. You know, they have a sense for what Jack's doing. Jack has a sense for where Ollie's going to run. I just felt that Bertrand, in terms of that short one-touch passing, he was maybe just lacking that a little bit. But what I see from him now is very much like in the first cup game. He seems to give himself extra time on the ball, much like Jack Grealish. He's able to kind of carry the ball. He's 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 controlling it on his own terms. Maybe he finds it a little bit far, harder than Jack to to you know kind of make it past a couple of players. But look at I mean some of the balls he was putting in today were fantastic. You know not not just the one that he whipped into El Ghazi for the for the for the uh, goal, but also his free kicks. I love him. I love his free kicks. I love his corners. The way they swing, they seem to be so accurate and pinpoint. Um, so for me, you've got a you've got a fine technical player right there, uh, and yeah, uh, hopefully more goals come, more assists come because this is the first game where we saw numbers in the Premier League. But uh, he's he's had a little bit of time. He's had some some chances to go out there and do what he wants to do, and uh, capped it off with a very nice goal. Yeah, I, P roll. That was a that was a nice little uh, description that Max gave it. But yeah, it was so slow and finessed. I didn't know how it ended up in the back of the net, but. Um, you love a little cocky finish like that when you when you're ahead. Oh, absolutely! I think it caught everyone on the pitch kind of completely offside. I mean, the fact that he was able to put it onto his left so quickly and hit that the way he did. I mean, th- there's really no chance, especially when Sam Johnson's that far um, in the opposing direction. But then, of course, a few minutes later, we come on to a penalty. Grealish is fouled by, I believe, a JE. So, it, which is funny because I'm looking literally at the highlights right now. And the the description for the picture says Matthias Pereira fouled him, which makes absolutely no sense because <laughs> he's suspended. So, whoever put that, a great job. But nonetheless, of course, a Grealish penalty that I'm pretty sure watching the highlights and listening to Michael Owen, which is a massive yawn. I think he said he dived, whatever. I don't want to listen to that because I don't <laughs> think I don't validate half the things that man says. But nonetheless, Al Ghazi steps up and he converts. And I mean, Danny, I'll throw it right back to you. Thoughts on the penalty? Because I mean, the man delivers on those. Yeah, look, he's, um, I was joking about it, right? It's the Al Ghazi, uh, it's the Al Ghazi redemption arc. And I'm following it and I'm loving it. 
Uh, this is this you could you could not write this guy's return. Um, and and this is the El Ghazi again. I joke about it. Yeah, this is the El Ghazi that thinks he's Ronaldo. You know the way he's running, the way that he's coming at defenders, the the, the way that he kind of um, sticks his body upright when at every opportunity before the free kicks. The way he has that little puff when he when he when he takes that penalty. When you see El Ghazi do that little exhale, you know he's about to power it home. So yeah, fantastic penalty, well taken. Yeah, no, absolutely no complaints there, Max. I'll come to you. Not even just the penalty itself. I want your thoughts on that as well. But kind of as a whole, moving past this game, what do we do with the lineup here? I mean, you have El Ghazi playing very well. Troyori seems to be growing with confidence. So let me know your thoughts on that. Who plays the next game against Palace? It's tough, isn't it? I think you've got to look. I think tonight our, our best two players are probably Troyori and El Ghazi. So if you're Trezeguet, you're thinking, I've got a big job on my hands here to get myself back in the side because although, you know, Trezeguet started the season and he was a shoo-in, you know, in the first, what, 10, 11 games, you got to think, well, if El Ghazi and Traore are performing, what, why would you take them out? Because they've both scored tonight, re- look really, really good. And El Ghazi, going back to the, uh, the penalty, I think you always knew he was going to slot that home straight down the middle. And he's, he's a massive confidence player, El Ghazi. You know, as soon as he scored that goal at Wolves, we all knew he was going to start the next game because we all know he's a confidence player. And OK, he was, he was good against Burnley. It was just that goal that was lacking. Um, and he got a couple tonight, which he deserved. I think, you know, he deserved that from the Burnley game as well as tonight because I think he was, he was fantastic in both games. Um, so yeah he's a massive confidence player and you know while he's scoring goals and he's playing so so well and he's one of our most creative players you, you don't take him out of that side at all um, and Traore same reasons scoring goals really effective you don't take him out of that side no I like I, I think this is the best thing about this season uh, even aside from where we currently sit the, the points the way record all that kind of stuff it, it's just the competition within the squad and that's something that we were crying out for last season. And of course it's with the addition of Burton Traore, Watkins, Cash, et cetera, et cetera. It, it, it's just great to see when you have El Ghazi out kind of in the dark for a little bit, or probably for actually a while that I think about it. And he comes in and it, you can just see the hunger there, the determination. And it's great to see. And I guess in a mindset right now of thinking, you know what, when Trez comes back, we don't know what's going to happen. Maybe this pushes him on to the next level. And, and that's what it's all about moving to the next level and getting this club back to where it properly uh, belongs and more of that to come. It's very great to see. And Danny, I guess I'll come to you. We'll do the match balls right now. So who is your match ball, man of the match, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> uh, Sanwar, man. Sanwar Ghazi. I think I think we had a lot of good players on the pitch today. I thought Traore did a very very good job, but um, the, I don't know. No, it was, it was it was difficult. It was going to be between him and it was going to be between him and Al Ghazi for me. I think Traore did a very good job, but um, I'd say that I noticed Al Ghazi even more again. I think I noticed him on the left hand side a little bit more. I, the way that he was linking up with Jack Grealish was was brilliant. I think once again, my one thing with Traore is. I still think he's taking time to kind of understand the runs that are being made by by Oli and and Jack and, and and Matty Cash. But the thing with El Ghazi is right to me in the first half, it almost looked like he wanted to be Villa's main playmaker. Like he's come into the team and gone, you know what? I want to be the main guy. This is a little bit. This is a little bit out of this, right? Uh, you know, this is past the game, right? After after the game, El Ghazi has his has his post match interview. <laughs> And the way he's talking, he's talking about himself. I could yeah, have done that. that. <laughs> I could have done this better, right? Against Burnley, oh, I could have had a couple more goals. The team could have had a couple more more goals, right? There's something in this guy right now, which 
it happens to him every now and then when he gets dropped and comes back. But I think this is a little bit different because I don't because I think he's got built more quality around him. And I think because of that, when the when the team's heads drops, I don't think I don't think his will. Um, but yeah, just the, the the intent from the guy, the way he was playing, even though Jack Grealish is on top of the whole of, of, of the passing statistics again, and, and just on top of everything, you know the way he is. I think I'm going to have to give it to Anwar Al Ghazi. He had a brilliant game, and actually, this is two games in a row I've given the match ball to Al Ghazi. I think I, I think that's a record. Yeah, I mean, you gave it to Wesley it a, a lot last season, and that's beyond the man crush. So it, it's great to see. <laughs> <laughs> so I like I like play, man. I like. I like watching players um, do well at doing underappreciated things, and that's 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 what I like to see. Although for Ghazi, that's not what it was today. This wasn't about laying the ball off to, to different players. This is this was this is El Ghazi just um, playmaking for one, but also just hunting down goals and just he he he's trying to get that goal tally back up. He's trying to catch up with Oli Watkins, and, and I love that. Absolutely. Breeds confidence. Great to see. Max, how about you? Who's your uh, match ball going to? Yeah, I think I, I support Danny and go for El Ghazi, but because he's gone with that, I, I'm going to have to go with Traore. I think he got the goal. And I think because of that step up from the Burnley game, I think, okay, he was okay on Thursday night, but he's taken it up a level. And okay, fair enough. West Brom are a poor side and they were shocking tonight, but still that's going to give him a lot of confidence. I don't think we've spoken about the defence enough tonight as well. I, admittedly, they didn't have a lot to do. Courtney Orr's came in against Burnley, headed everything away. Again tonight, looks absolutely composed. And for someone that you know hasn't played a lot of football and has had to wait so long to get his chance because Constant Mings have been been good and they've been a really good partnership. I think you've got to give Courtney Orr's credit as well. Matty Cash coming in after suspension was pretty good. Um, Target was whipping in balls all night. So I think defensively, another clean sheet. There was loads of stats going around after the Burnley game about Martinez and his clean sheets. And um, I think we've got, I checked before we came on, uh, we've got the second best defensive record in the Premier League after Manchester City. So you can't complain. Like compare that to last season where we were conceding goals for fun. Every single away game last season, we conceded a goal. So we're absolutely light years away not right now compared to where we were this time last year. So it's just, it's so, so refreshing to see. And you've got to give credit to Martinez at the back, the defence, but my match ball going to uh, the main man, Bertrand Troyer. Oh, that's fair enough. And I think there was a stat, and I mean, keep this in mind, we have two games still in hand, which is even more mental to me with this stat. But I think this is our best, um, I don't even know if you call it a start, but basically the most points we've had since I think 2009, 2010 at this point under Martin O'Neill. So I'm not going to say we're back to those days already, but there's a clear indicator that we're on the rise and it's, it's just so fun to be a Villa fan right now. And it's so nice because personally for me as an international fan, as a Canadian Villa fan, it's the most annoying thing to start supporting a club when they start to dip and all you've known is absolute crap. And it's just nice to see, a lot of kind of positivity and a lot of things kind of just going our way for once, but to give my match ball, um, you guys have really took the ones that I want it to, and I want to be different today. So I think a mention has to be, and you know what, I'll go with him anyways. I'm going to go with Douglas Louise. Just the man was phenomenal today. Didn't put a foot Mm. wrong, cleaned up everything. I mean, like Max said, the defense didn't really have much to do, but he just made everything so simple for them, especially and just moving the ball forward. And I think that was a major criticism of him, of him last season where he'd get the ball deep and some people would kind of go and say, you know what? I wish he would just release that. I'm like a second quicker, just the urgency of play wasn't there. And we're, we're just seeing his class. I mean, just pay man city another 10 million to get them to go away forever. Cause uh, it's a pure delight to see this man play for this football club. 
long may it continue, but uh, yeah, that's the match. I mean, three nil win two, uh, 22 points puts us in ninth as things stands. I mean, Wolves and West Ham, I think still play tomorrow if I'm thinking correctly. So always subject to change, but going into the Christmas period on a extreme high and it's brilliant to see. But uh, before we wrap things up, guys, Danny, Max, do you guys have anything you want to mention? Any special shout outs? Can, I, can we just have a quick word on Sam Allardyce? Just yeah. have, I, just, I just I wonder what you guys think about his first game in charge. I know I know we're a Villa podcast, but you know it's it's it's, it's relevant to the day, right? Um, I feel quite bad for West Brom. Like that, I know they I know they went down to ten men pretty early on, but that was not the kind of performance you'd like to see out of a team with a new manager. And I've never seen a new manager come into a club and look so angry after a game. I, I really haven't. Um, in his post match as well, like he was he was angry at Jake Livermore for getting sent off. Um, Villa won today, and it was a good result, three 0 You know, very good result. But this is a terrible West Brom side, wasn't it? Do, do you think that takes away from anything? I'll let Max answer that. Max, go ahead. I think you know, leading up to this game, there was a lot of talk about Villa fans being worried because you think, all right, Sam Allardyce's first game in a new club, there's going to be a bounce. These players are going to. See, you know, a manager like Sam Allardyce with a big reputation coming into a club to try and keep them up in the Premier League in their first season, you'd think there'd be some sort of reaction. But, you know, not that I'm that bothered because it's West Brom. But I was shocked about how poor they were tonight. And there was just nothing, was there? There was no reaction. No players looking like they you know, were fighting for the shirt or anything. So I put it this way. I would not want to be in that dressing room after the game because... You know, I dread to think what Sam Allardyce, Sam Allardyce will be saying to them, but they've got a lot of work to do. And I think they they are going to struggle this season because I think they're, what, three points off safety now and they've got a, he's got a big job on his hands, Sam Allardyce. Yeah. And they, they, they are going to struggle this season. I think they will improve from tonight. Look, it's his first game. He's been there a matter of days, but I think they will improve. But still, they're, they're in big trouble this year. Yeah, I I wonder if it's... And I mean, me and Danny and Dom talked about this on the previous... Uh, recap show but i wonder if it's almost this change has almost had the negative effect and i mean i don't know the relations of the players with billich or and it, it, I, it's not fair to say that they'll have a negative relationship with sam allardyce either it's, it's not justifiable to say that by any means but they weren't considering where they were a good draw against man city and then it coming out basically that they had to bite the bullet now because they were kind of worried that if they waited another month, that Allardyce could be uh, taken by another club. And uh, you know what? It, it definitely could happen, but it just, the, the reaction, at least for this game, just didn't pay off for them. And it does leave them in a little bit of a mess. I do expect Allardyce to fix some of those problems. You'll see them be a, lo- a lot more tight and compact and they will be a lot more physical. And uh, of course they do have, Charlie Austin, a lot more uh, physical forwards as well. So it'll be interesting to see how they do. But uh, yeah, it's it, it's really just an odd one where it was leaving me really worried before the game because you're thinking manager balance, but it it it's just a situation where it's really not. But uh, didn't yeah, we both, didn't we both predict easy wins last week? Because I, I know I said four 0 Um, yeah, I was like internally panicking, and then I went three one. <laughs> I think I went three one. So yeah, that that oh, yeah, tells that how much it, sense yeah, yeah. I make. Yeah, so yeah, it could have happened though. It could have happened. Like, I think, I, I think what you've got right now is you've got um, Billich was like a nice guy, right? Whereas Allardyce, did you see the way that Sammy Lee was just screaming at West Brom all game as well? 
Um, yeah, they, they, they're going to need they're going to need a guy to come in there and do a rescue job. But I'm just glad we're not involved in that dogfight down there because there's not a lot of there's not a lot of teams involved. You've got Fulham, Burnley, West Brom, Sheffield United at a stretch, Brighton at a huge stretch, Arsenal. So yeah, I'm just <laughs> glad we're not down there with them. Oh yeah, it's just it's just nice to like go into Christmas, especially. And I mean, considering everything with COVID and the pandemic and all that stuff that drives me up the wall um it, it's just nice to at least have something to be i guess thankful for right now um aside from our health and like danny was saying i think if i'm looking right now we are what's 12 points um off relegation so like i mean it, the, that's probably the best christmas present we could probably have right now i mean of course there's a few results we'd like to have go differently but nonetheless I'm just so happy where we are, where we are, but let's wrap it up there guys, because I think we only have a few more minutes um, in the call anyways, but uh, Max, if uh, anyone doesn't know who you are somehow, of course, you seem to be uh, the Villa golden boy <laughs> of social media and of YouTube. So uh, let us know where they can find you. Yeah. On Twitter at Villa on tour underscore, and then Villa on tour on YouTube, not currently uploading, but when we're back in stadiums, who knows, but yeah, that, those are the socials. Absolutely. Leave it open. Always leave them wondering and wanting more. The best way to do it. And of course, if you want to find Danny on Twitter, it's at Razagerno. Find me on Twitter at Talk Aston Villa. And of course, you can find us collectively um, at 7500 Holt. Email the Holtcast at gmail.com. We'll leave it there. Hopefully another positive result on Boxing Day against Crystal Palace. But don't forget, up the villa. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.